Hello, it's Bonnie back with you again and thanks for joining me this week on The Leader Coronavirus Daily. If you're a new listener, welcome. We hope you enjoy today's selection of news and interviews and if you do, please subscribe and if you've got a moment, give us a rating too. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm Bonnie Christian. The coronavirus alert level has been downgraded in the UK, but does this mean things will start returning to normal? It's now been reduced to alert level three, which means that it's in circulation, not at a low level. Originally, the importance of these five levels were that there were actions associated with it. Dr Mike Goldsworthy says the downgrade from level three to four clears the way for Boris Johnson to speed up our exit from lockdown. And... What that looks like is one in five jobs gone from the sector and the equivalent, really, of, of in terms of employment, of nine times the uh, number of people who are employed by British Airways. The UK is facing a cultural catastrophe. Creative Industries Federation boss Carolyn Norbury says we need to start using our imaginations to stop that happening. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader, Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what does reducing the COVID-19 alert level mean for Britain? This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The last big hurdle to Boris Johnson's plan to switch to step two of his roadmap to recovery in July has cleared. Britain's coronavirus alert level moved down the traffic light system from four 
to three. The change came from the new Joint Biosecurity Centre and was endorsed by all four chief medical officers for the UK nations. It means the path is cleared for pubs and restaurants to reopen next month. And we might even see the two-metre rule reduced to one metre. Dr Mike Goldsworthy is a visiting researcher at the London School for Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and a campaigner who's been critical of the government's response to the pandemic. Mike, why has the government decided to reduce the alert level today? If you remember, the alert level has five levels meaning that coronavirus was either growing exponentially in the population or at a high level. It's now been reduced to alert level three, which means that it's in circulation, not at a low level. And so originally, the importance of these five levels were that there were actions associated with it, with each level. So we were only meant to start reducing lockdown or easing lockdown as we went to alert level three. But the government decided that it would ease lockdown at the end of May, even though the alert level stayed on four. And this is because the alert level is set by the chief medical officers of the four nations in agreement, whereas what actions we do as a country is set by this government. So in this whole story, you see there the breaking of the scientific and medical advice from the actions that government are actually taking. So is there a feeling then that this is the right decision? Probably. I mean, this is the decision of the chief medical officers. Uh, and it is the case that the frequency of uh, new cases of coronavirus has been dropping. So I think it's around about 1,200 now with 130 something deaths on a, on a daily rate. So it is lower in the population that was before, but it's not actually down yet to low, low numbers, which then would be alert level two. What does this mean for the country now? Will restrictions be eased significantly? Can we go out and meet groups of people in the park and go to the pub? Well, as I was saying before, originally these alert levels would indicate when there was going to be some change in behaviour by government. But as we saw at the end of May, the government broke that system and decided that they were going to reduce measures or change measures as and when they pleased, regardless of what the chief medical officers were saying about the alert level. So your guess is as good as mine. Um, I think they're just celebrating it because they can celebrate it and they want things to celebrate, particularly after their app disaster. Um, as to what pace they will be easing things at, I mean, that, that's up to them at the moment. It, it has become unbound from the science and unbound from the medical advice tightly, and it operates much more loosely. So we'll just have to see what the government say. And thinking longer term, you're calling for an inquiry. What is it exactly that you want to see happen? Apart from the fact that you've got all the retrospective stuff of why do we have such high death rates? You've got families who want justice, and you've also got a lot of things that have gone wrong, we also, at this stage in the year, have to think about the second half of the year. We've got a lot of problems coming up which are different from the first half. We need to have this as, as an open, science and health-driven inquiry um, with cross-party support so we can get on the front foot, get ahead of the curve for the second half of the year. You've got all the problems of the first wave. You know, you, you, you backed up hospital um, admissions and GP admissions and diagnostics. You've got 
the problems um, that coronavirus survivors still carry with them in terms of um, lung damage or, or, or lethargy, um, as well as your domestic abuse and um, depression and stress and disruption to life. Plus then, what if there is a second wave? What if there are flare-ups? When Boris Johnson says there's time to learn lessons later, that's not true. You can't wait until the end of the whole year when it's all over to learn lessons. You have to get on the front foot now with some very obvious and specific challenges. Next. It's going to take a huge leap of imagination on us all, really, to trial different ways of, of making feel comfortable. I'm really, really wanting to go out again and, and experience the fabulous culture that we have in this country. The creative industry is powering the nation through the coronavirus pandemic, but now it needs our help to make sure it doesn't fall into its own crisis. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. That was the sound of cellist Sheku Kane Mason, who shot to fame after he played at the wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Now he's set to headline the Philharmonia Orchestra's new free digital concert series, which our editorial column says is exactly what the industry and nation needs to pull through a pandemic. Three digital concerts by London's Philharmonia Orchestra, including one featuring Sheku Kenny Mason, will be broadcast on YouTube to provide uplift to people deprived of performances by the pandemic. It's an appealing prospect and an example of the innovative solutions needed if our creative industries are to thrive in the future, bringing the chance of new audiences. Even before the first notes, we say encore. The creative industry has had to embrace technology and think far outside the box to ensure they survive through the health crisis. But it's still been dealt a staggering blow, with losses that could reach £1.4 billion a week. 
The Chief Executive of the Creative Industries Federation writes in the Evening Standard today that creative people provide respite and resilience in times of darkness and must be supported. She joins me now. Caroline, what impact has COVID-19 had on our creative industries? So we are looking at a projected fall in um, GVA of about £29 billion, which equates to about 74 billion pounds in revenue and a loss of 406,000 jobs. So what that looks like is one in five jobs gone from the sector and the equivalent really of, of in terms of employment of nine times the uh, number of people who are employed by British Airways. The other thing that we published was that London and the South East are going to be harder hit than anywhere else. You mentioned in your op-ed today that we're facing a cultural catastrophe what big changes are needed to stop that from happening? A gradual withdrawal and more support for those people who are going to take longer to come out of lockdown. So I'm thinking about our theatres, our live music venues and so on. What we can't see is, is a sort of a cliff edge for them when you know, all the sort of support measures suddenly disappear and they're not really going to be in the same position as lots of other businesses when it comes to opening their doors, you know? So, so we've got to be really, really careful about that. The, the other thing we really need to, to have very, very quickly is some sort of emergency funding. So we're calling this a cultural renewal fund um, to support those organisations and um, companies that are most adversely affected by the COVID-19 crisis. Longer term, we, we need to think about not just how we get everything going again, but to sort of really address some of the systemic challenges within our system. So actually the arts is all about people and that's what creativity is about. And I think we need a better blend of investment to prioritise that investment in talent, particularly the young talent that is, you know, that, that is going to be the, our next generation of creators and artists and performers and you know, game designers. And I think we also have to address some of the real challenges when it comes to who gets to work in, you know, who's working in, in these organisations. We're not, we're not perhaps as diverse as we need to be. We certainly haven't been as inclusive as we need to be. And I think what you see happening at the moment is not just, you know, the health pandemic, but, but you see that, you know, what, what, what seems to have happened is that people have got much more alive to all of the other sorts of inequalities and you know, endemic challenges that we've got, whether that's, um, you know, we, 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 we don't have as many uh, people of colour in senior management positions as we really should have um, and could have. Um, we need to make sure that our businesses are really, really representative of our communities and our audiences, that this isn't just about sort of doing the right thing for moral reasons, it's the, it's the right thing economically, you know. If we're making work for global audiences, then, we, then our organisations need to represent that, that, that global audience, you know. It's only through diversity that, we, that we're strong economically as well as being strong culturally. And that's the leader, Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standard's live blog at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. Thanks for listening. This podcast is back on Monday at 4pm.